Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Just before we jump in, today's podcast is brought to you by my premium coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method. In this busy world, women struggle to prioritize their health and they constantly find themselves frustrated with a lack of results. Lean Gut Mind Method coaching service provides expertise, personalization, and a proven system of tools so that women find themselves empowered to live their best lives in a body that they choose. If you're a female who struggles with weight loss, emotional eating, and poor gut health, and you're ready to change once and for all, let me and my team help you. Lean Gut Mind Method is the last nutrition program you will ever need to invest in, and the first program you will see lasting results from. Let us show you the way. Apply for my premium one-on-one coaching program at www.leangutmindmethod.com. Today is part two of our exercise series with Jacob Vella, founding director of Oxidate Performance. Jacob is a performance coach who's been in the health and fitness industry for 10 years. After spending most of his life as an elite level athlete, he now specializes in athlete development. His passion is unlocking people's true potential and helping them to achieve their optimum level of performance. Jacob has a Bachelor of Sports Coaching and Exercise Science, a Diploma of Sports Development, and is a Strength and Conditioning Level 1 Coach and Personal Trainer. Today's episode is all about having your exercise questions answered by our expert. So sit back, listen up, and let Jacob educate you on all things exercise. I hope you enjoy this podcast, and you can follow Jacob on his Instagram, which is at oxidate underscore performance, or his website, which is oxidate.com.au, or listen to his own podcast, which is called The High Performers Platform. I hope you enjoy this podcast, team. Welcome back to the podcast, Jacob. We're very excited to have you on for a part two. Today, we're going to do a Q&A and do a little bit of exercise myth busting. Sounds awesome. Thank you for having me again. And for our listeners, um, Jacob and I did a part one where we talked about the different types of training and exercise that you should be focusing on um, throughout the decades as well, from our early teens up until you know beyond our 70s as well. So if you haven't gone and checked out that podcast, please go back and listen to that one first. And this one is a, is a part two flow on from that one where Jacob's going to go a little bit deeper in terms of more specific recommendations for exercise and doing a little bit of myth busting as well. All right. So our first question from our listeners, Jacob, is how should females tone up? What exercises should we be doing? Starting the uh, podcast with a bang. Okay. (laughs) So toning up. Toning up is a very interesting one and there's a lot of myths and misconceptions and misinformation out there. Um, In order to tone up, unfortunately or fortunately, it's a lot to do with nutrition. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you want to be able to reduce your body fat, your body fat percentage. But the important thing is to maintain or to keep your muscle. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things that happen in the industry, people go into a deficit, and I won't touch on too much of your field, Leanne, Mm -hmm. but people go into a deficit, but they don't train correctly in in the format to be able to keep their muscle. So what happens is you lose your muscle tone, you lose your shape, and you end up with, I guess the industry calls it skinny fat. Is that correct? Potentially, yes. I have heard that word. (laughs) Yeah. You have heard that? Sorry, I don't know if you want to include that, but we end up with 
and we, we end up with the opposite of toned mm-hmm. and we end up with not firm shaped muscles or strong, you know, a strong appearance. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to not stimulating or spiking the muscles. Mm-hmm. So in order to do so is to engage in strength training or resi- resistance training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strength training and resistance training, depending on how well trained you are, is either in the gym lifting weights. Yes, it can be with machines. It can be free weights. It can be squats, hip thrusters. You know, any activity you've ever seen on social media is okay. Mm-hmm. It's just dependent, depending on uh, where you're up to and your, your own training skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can also be achieved through body weight and resistance band. Sure. And then when you think about that general question in terms of uh, toning up perspective, we've mentioned nutrition and fat loss, which is so incredibly important. I'll quickly touch on protein being so important while you're in a deficit in order to maintain that muscle mass. You can do all the strength training in the world if your protein intake isn't high enough or evenly spread throughout the day. You don't have a hope in hell in terms of maintaining your muscle mass or growing that muscle mass. But Jacob, my question for you is, is the type of exercise such as our high intensity exercise without naming brands and gyms and that sort of thing, you'll know that it's very popular at the moment. You know, a lot of people say to me, oh, I do like, you know, five or six high intensity exercise sessions a week. Is that enough to be considered? Will you tone up in terms of doing that sort of training? I'd say no. I'd say you're going to do uh, your body a bit of damage. You're going to be in a very, very stressed, overstressed um, tr- uh, state. Mm-hmm. And generally, we, we look at strength training, we look at, you know, lifting 80 to 90% of your, um, or sorry, 70 to, to 90% of your, your max one uh, RM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're training between 70 and 80 or 70 and 90%, that is classified as strength training. Therefore, you're going to gain strength. You're going to retain muscle. When you lift at those percentages, it's generally quite few reps and sets. So it might be a three by four or three by six, mm-hmm. um, three times six repetitions. So if you look at that compared to everything you've just ex- explained without getting into the brands and the associations with that type of high intensity training, you're going to be doing, you know, 50, 60 repetitions of one activity. Mm-hmm. So if we compare the two together, you know, it's, it's quite opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, for us, in terms of, you know, if we're looking at toning up, you obviously need your protein, you need to keep the muscles stimulated. I'd be going on more of a strength-based, resistance-based training program whilst obviously following a program of yours in a, in a deficit. Mm, Nutrition-based. Wonderful. Nutrition-based, yeah. Yeah. And then the second question for my listeners is, is it true that weightlifting burns more calories than cardio? So that's an interesting one that's been around for years. And, you know, five or six years ago, uh, I might have fallen into the trap and say, yeah, it does because you burn your calories in the session and obviously your metabolism things are spiked for, for, for hours afterwards, yeah? Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, if we actually track calories and, you know, if you look at heart rate variability, your cardio session will burn more in that session. Mm-hmm. So it's a myth, yeah? yeah. Cardio-based sessions should burn, again, depending on what you're doing, mm-hmm. much more calories than a weight-resistant-based training session. And then long-term, though, I think you're going to see more benefits from a fat loss perspective combining some of the two together, wouldn't you? Definitely. So uh, it's the same as anything. You focus too much on one thing, it's, you're going to have diminishing returns in the other. So a great program for me would be a combination of both, um, mm. possibly a high intensity, definitely some low intensity for the health cardiovascular perspective, and definitely resistant-based weight training. Mm. So again, it even takes, I guess, I look at this question and I think, oh, the focus is on purely burning calories. But like I know that you're a fan of, I think the focus should be on what are more goals here than just how can we burn more calories? It's like, how can I get stronger? How can I grow my muscles, maintain my muscles? And that's going to help me metabolically long-term when I think about fat loss, not just calories in the moment. I think people get so fixated and stuck on the short term where it's like, what session burns me more calories? I've had clients say to me, you know, 
know, I did a hit session, I burnt 800 calories because that's what my watch told me. And I think it's important to remember that it's not all just about, you know, that one session. It's about everything else that you're doing throughout the day as well and over the weeks and over the months and the years. Yeah, most definitely. I think we get caught up in just that one day, you know, or that one training session or program or even the one um, challenge, you know, an eight-week or 12-week um, regime. Mm. We should be focused on longevity and long-term. Um, sure, you can do this one type of program, but what comes next and setting yourself up for, for long-term development. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Question three. So how should I balance my runs with strength training? Is it okay to do both on the one day? That's a great question. Um, again, depending on your skill set or your training age, um, your body's ability to do so, by all means, yes. I mean, we work with high-profile athletes and they train twice a day as a minimum. Um, they train twice a day, six days straight. Um, but it comes down to nutrition, having enough food uh, for fuel, mm-hmm. enough recovery, um, looking after your body and the right types of training. So if we engage in a strength session, whether you're a morning or a, or a PM person, I'd definitely put some type of low intensity, uh, you know, a walk or a run or a bike ride in there as well. And also that low intensity um, cardio is, is a great way to recover. It actually gets the body to move and, and flush the system as well. So yeah, you definitely can do so. Mm-hmm. And I, could, I think an important point just to mention there, if our listeners haven't listened to the first podcast we did together, Jacob's background is very much working with um, some high profile athletes as well. So we're definitely not recommending that people need to train twice a day to get results. And I think for the the, the average person, myself included, two training sessions a day is far too much and probably too much of a stress for the body. It's not going to increase your results any, any better from there. I think we very much have to differentiate between general pop such as myself and then, you know, athletes or, or people wanting to achieve those sort of athletic goals. Yeah, for sure. It comes stems down to the individual, mm. the ability to, to, to do so, to recover, um, to tolerate the, the stresses, and also your training goals. Um, you know, you don't need to train twice a day, six days a week if you just want to feel good and look good. Um, mm-hmm. You can achieve that with three or four sessions per week. Definitely, yeah. And then would you say in terms of if they were doing strength training and runs, but if their goal was to run a PB in terms of say 10K and then to lift a PB in the gym, would you then say that those goals shouldn't be done in the same day? Same day? No. Yeah. Um, same training program. Yes, they're both achievable. Mm-hmm. Um, lifting weights, getting stronger actually helps with running, you know, mm-hmm. increases your force production, stride frequency, you know, all of these things that tie into to movement. The stronger we are, the better we can move theoretically. Mm-hmm. In the same day though, no, that'd be a serious bout of overload. Um, yeah. It'd have to be a well-structured program and, you know, catered specifically by a professional. Definitely. So definitely okay to do together if your goal is just to get out those sessions, but if you're actually trying to hit a PB in either of those aspects or increase load threshold tolerance, run faster, that sort of thing, probably separate them out throughout the week. Yeah. Yeah. Stagger them. Um, you know, you might focus on two strength sessions per week and you might do three. I mean, if you're going for a 10K PB, you're probably running multiple times per week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going for a strength PB, you're training twice, three, three times per week as well. So, yeah. All right. And then the next question from our listeners um, is what do you think holds most women back from gains in strength training? Is it volume? Is it diet or is it programming? Great question. Great question. So my question, first question in response would be, what what are the gains associated to? Are we talking actual strength? Are we talking numbers and kilograms lifted? Mm-hmm. Are we talking gains as in aesthetics and, and you know, looking? So depending yep. on what that is, um, a few things. Uh, food for fuel, having enough energy, enough glycogen in the body, enough protein for the muscles, all that type of stuff, enough recovery. Um, being you know not sore not fatigued Mm -hmm. which is also energy expenditure 
and an incremental or progressed training program. Um, we can't hit PBs every session, um, nor should you be trying to, mm-hmm. but having something that you can taper and, and build towards. So, you know, fluctuations in your lifts um, and, and just building towards, you know, a peak in that program to hit a PB. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so, definitely. But I think, again, it's that personalization. So some people, it might be diet holds them back. Other people, it might be the training program holds them back. Other people, it might be they're trying to do too much without enough recovery in between. Does that sound correct? Yeah. So look, I I, I will say, and this is me going out on a limb, but based on my experience here with all of our clients, recovery is the first place that people go wrong with. Um, everyone thinks recovery mm-hmm. is just, you know, doing nothing. Um, but it, it stems right down to nutrition, sleep, hydration, you know, those, those three pillars of health. And you'd be amazed at what you can achieve in terms of physical output if you have those th- three things in order properly. Mm, definitely. And would you say that, um, just using myself as an example, the training program that my um, exercise phys has written for me has, you know, heavy squats once a week, has heavy deadlift once a week, has a hip hinge day once a week. I've got a back day once a week. I've got a, you know, chest sort of day once a week, staggering it out like that. So I'm not trying to do, you know, three leg days, but combined, you know, squats three times a day, actually doing the different compound movements sort of once a week is a, is a, as a baseline, a good sort of programming in terms of building strength. Would that allow for enough recovery yeah most definitely there'd be plenty of recovery there with that sort of structure um, again depends on your goals depends on on you as the individual mm-hmm. we generally prescribe a lower body pro, uh, strength session every three days so we mm-hmm. we follow the science principle of you know large muscle groups every third day smaller muscle groups every second and that can be applied for muscle growth or aesthetics but it can also be applied for for strength training as well how we program and what activities uh, depends on you as, as an individual. Some people get really sore from doing a hip hinge and a squat um, session, you know, posterior anterior in one session combined. Mm-hmm. Some people thrive off it. And so if you're a person that gets really sore, we'll, we separate them. We might have a two anterior, one posterior, and then we flip it around for the following week. Yeah. And then when we think about the question in terms of strength, we're going to assume that they're talking about uh, strength in terms of numbers, so actually lifting heavier as well. So as you mentioned, um, in terms of strength, you think that as a, as a general answer to this question, you would think that recovery is probably the biggest thing that holds most females back in terms of gaining strength? Yes, I, I think so. Recovery and being able to replenish so you can train at your optimum. Mm-hmm. Because if you come into you know into your lifting session fatigued or at 60%, if you look at your body as a percentage fuel tank, you can't train more than 60%. If you over, if you train higher than what you can give, then that's when we start to to really fall into problems. You look at injuries, you're looking at you know all sorts of stuff that comes from that. Um, also technique, if we're talking actual strength numbers, technique is a huge thing. Um, being able to lift correctly takes a long, long time. You know, the deadlift is one of the most complex movements on any gym floor. So being able to master your technique through time and through a series of progressions um, will in turn help benefit the results that you're able to generate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when you talk about recovery, obviously the amount of training that goes into it kind of goes hand in hand. So would there be any recommendations in terms of proper rest days if the goal was strength training in terms of increasing numbers, you know, uh, weight lifted? Would you say that there's an optimum number of recovery days or is that very individualized as well? Because I tend to do two full recovery days where I don't go to gym at all. It's just a long walk outside and that's all I do. So my strength training is five days a week. Would you say that there's an optimal recovery day? Can we train every day? Should it only be sort of three to four days? 
Very, very individualized. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, you know, science is yet to prove there's one formula that's perfect. Um, there's, there's a lot of different theories and, and concepts and one person's theory or concept will work for a handful of people and, and not for others. So it's, a, it's the million dollar question, that one. Um, what works for you, how long it takes you to recover depends on what you do for recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, active recoveries are great for muscle soreness. If you want to get more into recovery, we look at, you know, contrast water therapy, hot, cold. Um, you look at saunas, infrared saunas. We look at like magnesium spray, obviously nutrition, hydration, sleep. Um, when we talk about sleep as well, sleep for recovery, people just think, yep, I'm going to go to bed and have eight or nine hours. And that's great, but what's the quality of sleep like? Mm-hmm. So the quality of sleep is your recovery. Um, you know, having sleep hygiene is super, super important. So if you want to start getting into strength per se and hitting big numbers, mm-hmm. all of these things need to be in order. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Alrighty, next question for you, Jacob. What are the best exercises for fat burning and what is the ideal number of days training and time for sessions? So sort of two questions in one there. Most ideal exercise for fat burning? Mm-hmm. Nutrition. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Seriously though. Um, look, talk about heart rate, um, you know, percentages of heart rate variability in, in terms of your percentages for best or most optimum fat loss or fat burning. Mm-hmm. And it's that lowest state, um, according to, to a lot of the research, you know, that, um, what are we, 60 to 80%, the aerobic base. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's any type of prolonged activity. It could be a walk, jog, bike ride, row, whatever you're into. Um, for me, that's the most optimum. It's going to get you more healthy, boost your cardiovascular, improve your cell health, improve the ability to you know, burn or, or to be rid of those, those fats. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And I think yeah. when I think about that question, just in terms of, I get asked it like, oh, I would say like 50 times a week. When people say, what's the best exercise of fat burning? They're not meaning just fat burning. They're meaning sort of having that lean toned look, you know, they want to have that six pack, that sort of thing. So I think it is still important to mention resistance-based training alongside that cardio, like we've been talking about for a while now on this podcast or on the very first podcast as well. Would you agree? For sure. And I think if you listen to the first podcast, it was at least two or three resistance-based training days. Yeah. Strength training is paramount. You know, I, I call myself on Instagram the, the football strength coach. Mm-hmm. I'm very big on strength training. Um, you need it to keep the muscles. If we don't use it, we lose it. Keep everything engaged, especially in a, in a fat loss or weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. Muscle retention is, is everything. Um, and it taps into the first question, that toning, uh, the myth around toning. Yeah. You need to, you know, have muscle there to, to have that shape and that structure. Absolutely, yeah. So the second part of this question, what is the ideal number of days training and time for sessions? Would you still say two to three? I mean, ideally in a perfect world, if someone had the ability to train seven days a week, would your answer still be two to three days of resistance training or would it be a bit more than that? I'd go a minimum of three. If, if, if you'd like my honest feedback, it'd be three resistance trainings, two cardios. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking at a five-day minimum, and that'd yeah. be for anybody. Depending on who you are and, and your individualism, we structure that according to your um, abilities. Mm-hmm. Three resistance training is a minimum, two cardios, and I normally put Saturday as a bit of a buffer. Mm-hmm. Um, we do Saturday as an enjoyment day. It's the start of your weekend. Um, if you're well-trained, we might give you a, a high intensity or a circuit or you know something fun and enjoyable. Yep, definitely. And then the last part of that question was time for sessions. Is there an ideal, um, again, we talked about in the first podcast, 10 minutes is better than nothing, but in a perfect world where somebody might have the ability to train for two hours a day, what would you say would be an ideal time frame for a session, resistance or cardio um, in terms of fat burning and toning up? Sure. And, and again, I don't think there's a magic number for this. 
However, we don't prescribe, you know, two, three-hour sessions. Um, <laughs> we're very concise in what we do. Mm-hmm. A strength training session would generally take 45 minutes to an hour, mm-hmm. um, depending on who you are and what's in your program. As for the other components, 20 minutes of aerobic um, uh, conditioning, which is your low intensity, um, is, in my opinion, more than enough. You can do 20 minutes to an hour, depending on who you are. If you're going to engage in high-intensity bounce, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, uh, absolute maximum. So, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I, could, I couldn't do 40, 40 minutes of high intensity. I'd be no. like, tap out at 20 minutes in terms of my sprints. <laughs> Can we? I don't know if this is in your questions, but mm. just on the high intensity thing, yeah. that's, that's a huge myth within itself, yeah? We look at high intensity bouts, the whole hit concept. Um, it's generally just interval training. So, if you're going to do true hit, high intensity, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's at 100%. And yeah. you look at the energy systems and stuff, if you're going more than 10 seconds at 100%, mm-hmm. you know, you definitely need a recovery bout in these types of uh, training modalities, all the brands and companies that do this hit, hit training, they're not really doing true hit. It's more just interval style. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of the sessions that it's like 60 seconds on or it's like 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off, 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off. Cool. Next question for you, Jacob. Uh, can Pilates and light weights get toning results? I can't do heavy weights due to an autoimmune condition. Um, I think if you're a novice trainer, if you're brand new to training, you can get results from almost anything, but there's that point of diminishing return. So mm. if you're engaging in Pilates, sure, you're going to feel the burn and, and you are using muscles and you might get some type of muscle um, spike. You know, you might get some muscle, um, some gain there, but eventually it's going to fizzle out and fade out. We have to keep the body guessing. We have to keep um, progressing. So adding more resistance and getting into that weight training is definitely how we we tone up. If you're unable to do so, and I, I understand that, you know, some autoimmune conditions, people aren't able to, to grip things, um, you know, they, they can't tolerate, they have no strength, try and find something that works for you. Um, you know, we can step into the hydrotherapy pools. We've got a lot of clients and patients who train in water with dumbbells. You know, anything that your body can tolerate, mm-hmm. there's always a way to, you know, to get some type of resistance. We can also take out the impact and the loading on the joints, and we can do what's called an isometric contraction. So it's a contraction of the muscle without, you know, uh, extension or contraction. So you're not moving the actual joint, but you're tensing the muscle and strengthening that muscle. So we've found with um, with patients and clients with autoimmune diseases and, and conditions that ISOs are actually a great way to train. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Um, all righty, next question for you. Is it true that you need to separate out aerobic from anaerobic exercise for better results? Another great question. Um the, the, the interesting thing with energy systems is you're never truly just using one energy, energy system. They're all entwined. Yeah, mm-hmm. If you had one energy system working and, and not the other, I don't think we'd survive as humans. Um, so focusing on one's great and you can push in you know, the ATP PC, which is the zero to 10 seconds. You can push in the 10 seconds to a minute or uh, 120 seconds, which is the, the lactic acid system. And you can challenge yourself aerobically, which is anything beyond there. Um, Will they hinder each other? I don't think so, no. It just depends on your goals. I mean, we, again, going back to to my background, which is athlete development, the aerobic base is great, but once you have that, you can focus more specifically on what you need. Um, We've got 10 soccer players on 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 the outfield. Each position moves differently, so we have to train them differently, if that makes sense, and focus on different uh, elements. Mm -hmm. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so. I think that end part of that was really important where it said, um, do you need to separate aerobic from anaerobic for better results? So I guess it it really depends on what is the result that you're looking for. Again, if it's like PBs and it's like, you know, like 
actual increases in strength and running as fast as you can and, you know, hitting some more of those personal best times and that sort of thing, would you then, I guess, change your opinion around that and say, yes, separate them out in terms of different days? Is it sort of similar to what we were talking about before with the, can I run and do strength training on the same day? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, again, getting very specific, if you're a sprinter, you're not going to be doing 10 kilometer runs. You're going to focus on your specific task and requirements and, and physical demands. Um, so yes, in that sense, they probably can do each other a bit of harm if you're, cha- if you, if you're focusing on all of the, the energy systems opposed to one. Just be concise and, and stick to what you need for, for your goals or for that uh, particular competition. Because when we think about one, or in my head, when I think better result, it's like, results in the gym for me would be going in and obviously not trying to hit a PB every time, but at least, you know, every couple of weeks try to increase my squat weight or something like that. But then if also I'm aiming to run as fast as I can in terms of a PB on a Saturday, I wouldn't go run, say park run, for example, and run as fast as I can, then go into the gym and do a leg day and try to get better results there as well. They're sort of, again, thinking of recovery. We're not really doing our body the best, um, giving it the best chance, are we? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yep. Alrighty, next question for you. Uh, how much should you train or exercise to maintain your weights or results? I like this question because people are generally focused on one or the other, isn't it? It's fat loss or it's actually trying to actively gain weight, which we get often as well, or gain muscle mass. So what about weight maintenance? Yeah, so maintenance is is a very tricky one and it's sort of a trial and error process because it is so individualized. Mm. Um, whatever you've done to get your results, you know, that's fantastic. But then the tricky part comes to actually maintaining that, whether it be nutritionally or, or training wise. So finding out, you know, what works for you, we've, we follow a, a, a minimal training response. Um, so we, we're looking for the, for the least amount possible mm-hmm. to keep you where you need to be. And that's not to be lazy or to, to say don't train, but it's just about you know, exertion, time, all of these things, um, stresses on the body. So finding um, you know, the sweet spot, what works for you, does take some trial and error. It's going to take a bit from, you know, from your um, coaches and your practitioners. But tips around that would be just keep in your resistance training, yeah? Always, always keep resistance training, strength training, keep the body at its optimum um, and, and sort of scale backwards and see what works for you. And I guess it would be that step-by-step process in terms of scaling backwards. It's not, I'm going from five days of resistance training and one or two days of cardio to nothing and hoping to maintain my results, which I think when I think about results from a fat loss perspective as well, a lot of people do follow this strict program, hit their goal weight, and then go revert back to their old crappy habits again. And the weight all comes back on again. And they're like, wait, what happened? So it's actually still being able to do what you were doing, perhaps maybe 80% still and having a little bit more flexibility in terms of 20% there. Maybe we drop one session and, and see how you go and we relax nutrition, you know, 15, 20% and see how we go. Would you agree with that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the same as it is for incremental overload or progressions, mm. it's, it's, it works in reverse as well. So small steps, minor changes. Um, and just tracking as well, you know, tracking RPEs, tracking obviously calories, you know, tracking how you're feeling, what's happening on the scales, all those types of things based on your goals. Mm, yeah. Maintenance for exercise. I must be, I must admit, I'm not one who is really, I tend to sort of have a, a big period of where, you know, pre-COVID I might go to Europe for four weeks or something. And that's sort of my training block. And I come back and obviously my strength wasn't where it was. So I'm building back up again. So I've always sort of tapered between those periods of strength building and then, you know, tapering off from a good rest period and then coming back again. I've never really just tried to maintain so even thinking through that question in my head i'm like i don't even know how that would work for me so it is a difficult one isn't it it is and it comes down to the type of person you are as well so if you don't enjoy 
always training or always calculating and always you know following mm-hmm. something then a freshen up is probably the best thing for you um taking a week or two weeks or whatever it might be and and just you know doing two or three sessions a week instead of the five or six um, maybe mm-hmm. one session a week as opposed to, opposed to the two or three so yeah mm, definitely all right next question for you what kind of workouts would you suggest for obese people okay difficult one any any type of movement is is just get moving to to get started. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. with with obesity and you know these types of things, we have to be very mindful of the individual. Have to mm-hmm. be very mindful of the health condition of this person. If there's any other complications, those types of things. What we don't want to be doing is high impact. You know, uh, for me, high intensity to start with until we build that base. So very, more of a, a nurturing approach, more of a relaxed approach in terms of we do build up to where we need to be but just be aware that it's going to take some time. Um, we have to look after ourselves and, and not place the body under too much stress. Mm-hmm. So I'd honestly be starting with, you know, 20-minute walks. Mm-hmm. If you can get two or three of those in um, per day, if we can start to do a strength and conditioning session, a resistant-based, weight-based training um, session per week, whatever suits the individual based on time and energy, um, we start there and each week we just progress. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So again, just building that baseline, anything is better than nothing. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that is important no matter what the size of your body as well, isn't it? Yeah. Any movement is good movement. I think in the, in the first podcast there you talk about um, any movement is positive and I really like that mm-hmm. because five minutes is better than zero, definitely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And then second last question for you, Jacob. Um, I really like this one because I think it's so important and we get so many people um, asking me this as well. So does too much HIIT training or training in general stress our body and make fat loss harder? How much exercise is too much? We've sort of touched on this a little bit, but let's get more specifically into, you know, the types of sort of HIIT training that we're seeing a lot of these, you know, new gyms pop up and um, that sort of thing. 100%. It, it does it you know stress is the number one killer for results and you know it's the the number one cause of disease so being in a stressed state um, the body can't differentiate between you know let's just say you're out in the desert or a jungle or somewhere and a, a crazy animal pops out in front of you that heightened level of stress that cortisol that that flooding of chemicals through the system is the exact same as if you're doing five six seven high intensity interval sessions per week Mm-hmm. So your body being in a stressed state is very, very unhealthy. Um, let me let me correct that. It's healthy to get into a stressed state, but you have to be able to come out of that and to recover from it to allow adaptation to re, uh, to occur. So by training um, high intensity intervals and um, you know placing a lot of stress on the body, it, it definitely does make things like fat loss much more difficult. Um, and I'd like you to, to chime in here if if you can. But you know, body weight retention in a stressed state, you know, I think that's you know a very real thing. Mm, definitely. I think our bodies is uh, that constant stress, even if it's just that constant low level of stress as well. It might not be that you're constantly in this heightened stress level 24-7, but these lower levels of stress as well. And I think that I, for one, did that type of training for about six months um, because I was just like, oh, this is cool. Everyone's doing it. I really want to try it out. Like, you know, the fat burning and everything like that. And I got to the point where I was getting up at 5 a.m. I am not a morning person in any respect, getting up at 5am, doing a 45 minute high intensity session. I was, I felt good while I was doing it, but I got to the point where a couple of months later, I had lost the majority of my muscle mass and my body just felt puffy for lack of a better word. And I'm very much someone who's always done strength training since my early twenties. I've been strength training for over a decade now, and I'm not, you know, a strong person by nature. I've got very long levers. It's a, it takes a lot for my body to actively put on muscle. But at the same time, I felt that that was gone very quickly and I just wasn't sleeping as well. I wasn't recovering as well. I was just getting a lot more like brain fog, 
harder to think in that sort of thing. So for me, I didn't think that was something that I could do long term, particularly like five or six sessions a week, which is what I was aiming for as well. So I personally thought it was too much for my body and I wasn't getting the results that I thought I would be getting. So I think we can both agree that HIIT training is important, but from your expertise, how much would be too much and sort of what would be your recommendations in terms of a week? Would it be sort of one or two training sessions a week? Yeah, sure. So depending on where you're up to with your training, Mm. depending on what's happening in your external life, you know, in your environment, depending on how stressed you are, depending on what's happening, I'd say, you know, for a well-trained athlete, one or two high-intensity bouts per per week is great. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're playing a sport, it's obviously going to be different because your sport is the high-intensity bounce, which is three, four, five times a week. If you're just a a general, you know, health gym gym guy, a person looking for for weight loss, honestly, I wouldn't be doing more than three of those sessions Mm -hmm. per week. That would just be my my maximum, and I'd substitute and and complement that program with lower-intensity aerobics. So you're getting both ends of the the spectrum, which is a more healthy approach. You want to include, you know, a few things rather than just everything in one basket. Please tie in resistance training, you know, getting that strength base in as well. Um, yeah, very, very healthy for, for joints, muscles, everything as well. Mm-hmm. And touching on this, because I know that people are thinking it at home, if they were someone who prescribes to that HIIT type of training, they pay a premium membership, put it that way. Like they're paying a lot of money to these um gyms for lack of a better word per week and these sort of gyms do include what's called a resistance based day a couple of times a week I didn't think that was enough by the time I got my weights on my barbell or whatever it was and each thing was like you know 40 seconds I'd it just wasn't enough to actually get some heavy weight on the bar before that 40 seconds was up. So are you in agreement as well that although a lot of these types of trainings and gyms and brands promote resistance days with their hit days, that it's simply not enough in terms of a building strength perspective? Are you in agreement there with me? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, look, for me, that's not resistance training. Sure it is. There's, there's some weight on a bar and you're moving it. Um, yeah. it, it in, in plain terms, it is resistance training. However, it's not correct in the sense of building muscle, building strength. Um, it's, it's quite the opposite, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember even just going into there, they would have two sets of bars sort of, um, you know, male, female kind of thing. One, you know, the, the deadlift say for the day would have 60 kilos on it. Then the chicks one would have 40 kilos on it. And I was just like, I wasn't properly warmed up. I hadn't done the proper activation exercises. I'm not just going to walk up to a barbell and do a 40 kilo deadlift without having warmed up or anything like that. And because I am quite tall, I generally tend to put two small plates under as well. So just the technique and that sort of thing doing, as you mentioned, such a, a complex movement for me, I was worried about the risk of injury as well. So again, from a strength-based perspective, it's probably not conducive to be doing these particularly complex movements at a really fast pace is and try to smash them out in 40 seconds. Yeah. In a circuit-based style, I just wouldn't program that. And look, we, without getting into it, in my opinion, but we sort of stay very far away from everything you're describing. We yeah. get a lot of clients that are broken from that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is it's, it's one program. It's a one-size-fits-all approach. And you've mm-hmm. got 40 people of all different types of body shapes, sizes, training age, abilities, all doing you know one that particular workout, that high intensity stuff, the high bounce, the resistance training, that's not resistance training. It's just, you know, overload or, or over, uh, you know, exertion. So I think we need to separate the two. If you're going to get into resistance training, we stick to resistance training. We do a more compound based, you know, strength-based program, which is your three to six to eight repetitions, um, three sets of th- six to eight, sorry. Mm-hmm. And you're lifting between 70 to 80 to 90% of your one RM. So it's quite heavy. And this is something that I find 
you know, a lot of people and, and working with the female population, when, when people do come to train with me, they're, they're kind of unaware of how much you're capable of actually lifting. Mm. It's not unsafe to lift as long as your technique is good. So, you know, having the confidence, being taught properly to be able to lift correctly will in turn help you with this style of training. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So we're not saying that it's a bad thing, but it does too much of it definitely does overstress the body. It's going to make fat loss harder. It's going to make recovery harder as well, isn't it? Yeah. I think just a quick one on that as well, if you're in that sympathetic, you know, stress state, where, whether it's come from the high intensity or not, your body can't function properly. So you're not going to be able to, to burn your fat. You're not going to be able to achieve your goals. You're going to sleep horribly, everything that you've just mentioned. So your recovery techniques, even breath work, something you haven't touched on, but mm. breathing techniques in recovery to bring yourself back to that parasympathetic nervous system is huge because whilst you're in the sympathetic, you're in a stress state, you're actually in a catabolic state. So you know, you're not actually going to gain in terms of muscle shape, size, strength, all that type of stuff. If you can restore your body through breath work, recovery, whatever it might be, days off, you get back to the parasympathetic, that's when the results and the gains are made. Yeah, love it. And then our final question for you for our listeners, do you have to do the same exercises at the gym to see muscle gains? You don't have to. Um, and this is the, the art versus science in terms of programming. Um, I think I mentioned in podcast one that you don't want to change your activities too, too much. If we start, you know, we throw the kitchen sink at somebody, everything and the kitchen sink, then we lose that adaptation or the ability to, to grow and to, to progress. We want to stop, stop thinking about just one training session or one week or one training program. We want to think long-term. So we want to keep the body progressing and evolving and becoming awesome and, and better and more healthy over the course of, your, of the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So if we just stick to you know your basic movements, a uh, chest press or bench press um, or push-up, a squat, uh, a deadlift or hinge um, or hip thrust, you know, those we just use those three, for example, within each of those activities, you've got maybe 20 progressions, yeah? 20 progressions or regressions. It's that time under tension. So you can do, um, you know, spend time four seconds down, four seconds up. You can do isometrics. So you can actually do like a squat pause. You hold for time where, where you, there's no movement at all. Same for push-ups, deadlifts. Mm-hmm. You can focus on eccentric only, which is the lengthening of the muscles. Or you can focus on concentric, which is more just the, the push part. So there's many, many different ways to train one activity. Mm-hmm. For long-term development, I'd highly recommend maximizing each activity before changing the activity um, uh, altogether. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think it was the first podcast, or maybe it was this one that we mentioned, um, your sort of recommendation would be for at least four weeks. So it's not to say that you have to do the same exercise at the gym for the next 10 years of your life, but you do want to pick a few exercises in terms of, I mean, the question specifically related to muscle gain, in terms of muscle gain, doing those exercises for a minimum of four weeks um, at the same sort of, would you say like tempo, rep range, that sort of thing in order to see some of that strength and then changing it up a little bit? Depending on where you are with, with your training, on, on which end of the continuum, mm-hmm. if you're brand new, yes, four weeks is going to give you great adaptation. You're going to get the most bang for your buck, the most gains. Mm-hmm. If you've been training for quite some time, um, a good coach will progress you every sort of two weeks. And it won't be you know changing things drastically. It might be, for example, we do four sets of 10 reps. We might go you know three sets of eight reps, but you're increasing the weight. So it's always just subtle changes to keep the body progressing and guessing. Yeah, but the the base exercises are still the same. From a muscle gain and strength perspective, you still want to do those big comp, like you've always got some sort of squat, you've always got some sort of deadlift, a hip hinge, upper body sort of thing. Are you in agreement there that the exercises 
are going to have to be the same for muscle gain and strength gain, but there's a lot of variations between those exercises. Yeah, sure. hundred uh, percent. Keep those main, we look at, if you look at the buckle, bucket, sorry, you fill the bucket up with the big rocks first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get the foundations, the big things, the important things in place. And then what you fill the remainder of the bucket up is the ones and twos. So you look at the squat, you can go to single leg squat, you can do all sorts of squat variations, hack squat, use machines, free weights. You know, there's plenty of room for movement and progressions within each of those compounds. But I think um, going back to that question, do you have to do the same exercises at the gym to see muscle gain? In its oversimplistic response that you have, would that be a yes? With the variations? Sorry, I've really mucked that question up. But <laughs> the answer is no. You can, you're going to get muscle gain from, from any activity if you, if you do it, um, depending on your, your training age. But you don't have to do the same activity, mm-hmm. but I'd recommend doing it and progressing that activity for best results, yes. Yeah, rather than just trying to do a new thing every single week. Correct, because you won't adapt to it and in turn you won't gain, yeah. Wonderful. All right, Jacob. Well, that is all of our listener uh, questions that we had for you. Thank you for answering them with all of your expertise. Finally, before we leave our listeners, I'd love just to get your, um, I guess, thoughts around if there was one piece of advice that you've learned or picked up during your career or one sort of mantra that you hold for your clients, what would that be for our listeners at home? I'm springing this one on you. Yeah, big question. One sort of thing that I've learned or a mantra... Oh, geez. I don't know, Leanne, you've really put me on the spot there. Um, I guess enjoyment and, and um, fulfillment, like being happy in what we do is the most important thing. And that for me goes into training programs. Somebody won't follow a training program for a long period of time if there's no enjoyment there. Um, so we need to enjoy what we're doing. Um, if we enjoy what we're doing, we're going to get better results. Um, that's probably the most important thing that I'm learning as I progress, um, finding enjoyment, what we do on daily, you know, day-to-day tasks. Um, don't put lots of pressure on yourself. If we do one thing per day, every day of the year, that's 365 things you've done each year. And for me, that's the road to awesomeness, whether it be your training, your nutrition, your diet, you know, whatever it is you're doing, if you get one thing right per day that accumulates, you know, per year, the years after that to, you know, achieving something awesome. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I love that you um, focused on that enjoyment as well. And I think from there really stems gratitude as well, doesn't it? When we're grateful for what we have and what we can do and what our bodies are capable of, we get so much more enjoyment out of our day-to-day life as well, don't we? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Wonderful. All right, Jacob. Well, I'd love for you to finish uh, with our listeners by letting them know where they can find you, email you, follow you on socials, um, yeah, your Instagram handles, that sort of thing. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much for having me. Um, you guys can find me at um, Oxidate, so we're www.oxidate.com.au. Um, that's our webpage. It has all of our you know, socials, our podcasts, um, all of our information on there. It's probably the best place to search us up. Mm-hmm. If you want to contact me directly, jacob at oxidate.com.au is my email. Um, Oxidate Performance on Instagram. And our new podcast is the High Performance Platform. So, yeah, if you like any of the podcasts here today, if you want to check that one out, that'd be super cool as well. Thank you. Wonderful. And I know that you're based down in Melbourne, but do you guys do anything online? Say if someone's listening from like the UK or America and they're like, yeah, Jacob seems really cool and we'll work with him. Is there that opportunity to work um, internationally or interstate with you guys? Yeah, definitely. So we, we currently work with people all over Australia and we work with some people in uh, London, America and in Europe as well. So we do have an online training platform mm-hmm. and this is a super specific individualized training program. So whether you're an athlete, you know, weekend warrior, um, just casual gym goer, you know, we can cater to your needs. Um, by all means, please do reach out and we'll see if we can help you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacob, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Thank you.